0: I was going to bring our, our, we had gotten off track on our uh, purposes of the church and wanted to bring the purpose of evangelism this morning. I'm going to wait till July the 4th to do that. And I want to invite you to uh, take your Bibles and turn with me to the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John. And I'd like to bring to you a message entitled, The Heart of God the heart of God. John chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. A man many years ago who I considered a mentor named DeLus Miles made a statement that has stuck with me through the years. The statement was this. You can learn more about a person by hearing them pray than you can any other way. So I want this morning to share with you what I believe is the actual account of the Apostle John hearing the words of Jesus Christ as he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and prayed. So what I'm about to read to you I believe is what is a recollection by the Apostle John that has been placed in the inerrant Word of God that contains the words that Jesus prayed before he went to the cross. One of the questions that is on the hearts of many people today, even in 2021, is this question. Number one, can I really know God? And number two, does God really care about me? Is there a God who cares for who I am? And is he really concerned about me personally? Well, I believe in this passage, we see the answer to that question. That Jesus Christ, God's Son, was concerned for every person. If you'll begin with me in John chapter 17, verse number 1, I'm reading from the New King James Version. And Jesus spoke these words and lifted up his eyes to the heaven. I want to stop there for just a moment. Coming from the Anglican tradition, our tradition has been that the head would be bowed. But actually the Hebrew tradition and the uplifted petition to God was that the eyes would be directed upward. And the expression of the priest would be the upward hand expecting God to grasp the hand. So he said, Jesus at that moment of difficulty turned his eyes toward heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Now I want to tell you what I believe in my theology and doctrine of who Jesus is. I believe that Jesus Was god's son and john chapter 1 says in the beginning was the word the living person of the lord jesus christ so from the very beginning he was there and what i believe is that he had as a human being the only human being that ever walked on the face of this earth that had foreknowledge of what would happen today and tomorrow Do you know that one of the big industries today is the uh, uh, astrological business and did you know that Athens has five astrologers here who will tell your future and if you call them there's even call-in lines where you pay them by the hour and they will tell you what will happen in your life tomorrow let me ask you a question if they know what's going to happen tomorrow and they know I'm going to call them, why don't they call me? But actually, there's only lived one person who has ever known what tomorrow would hold, and it is Jesus. And when Jesus went to the cross, I believe with all my heart that he knew that he was about to go through three trials, He was about to be scourged before Pilate. He was about to be placed on the cross on Friday, and at 3 o'clock he would experience physical death, a terrible death. He foreknew that, and yet he still went through. You know, some people say today, well, crucifixion isn't that much. There's worse death than crucifixion, and there are worse death than crucifixion, but this was God's Son with foreknowledge that he was about to be crucified. And we know in the Gospel of Luke, what did he pray? Father, let this cup pass from me. But that was not God's will. So he willingly was crucified. We used to sing an old hymn in the church. Some of you may remember it. It's called, he could have called 10,000 angels at a very word and say, stop this. But he did not. He went to the cross. Back in 1968, on the campus of, off campus of Palo Alto uh, in California at Stanford University, a man who was an artist decided he would be crucified on top of a Volkswagen. So they took him out in Palo Alto at 10 o'clock in the morning, and he said, I'll stay on the cross like Jesus stayed on the cross. They nailed him to the top of the Volkswagen. And took his picture. You know how long he stayed? Seven minutes. (laughs) They rushed him to the emergency room. Because he could not endure the pain. And he was actually flipped upside down horizontally on a, a VW. When Jesus was head straight up with the nails in the nerve centers of his arms and his feet. When the actual pain that existed was the lifting up of the diaphragm and the struggling of breath. He said the hour has come. Now knowing that, would you look with me at what he prayed? Look at verse number uh, 2. As you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life as to many of you as you have given him. Now Jesus told his mission right here. He revealed the heart of God that you have given him the authority. Now I, don't, I can't cognitively I'm not smart or as they say in the military this is above my pay grade. <laughs> I do not understand how God could limit God. How the very person of God could say I'm going to limit you on the cross so that you will have the authority to give your life so that people could live. You know, as I look at all the crazy people in the world, (laughs) sometimes I say, Lord, we'd be better off without them. You see the people who have sexually molested children, you see all the things that have happened, and you say, Lord, just scourge the world of them. You know, the world's getting crazier, isn't it? Uh, we have a group on social media who's trying to shut down a vacation Bible school tonight in one of our local churches. We prayed for him last night. It's crazy. But I thank God he didn't put me in control. <laughs> because Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know what that means, Steve? It means that I've sinned. It means that you sin. It means that every person in this room has sinned. We all have things that we've fallen short on. And Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, Jesus told his disciples, Be ye therefore perfect as I am perfect. Folks, I don't know about you, but I'm sure not perfect. If my wife were here, she'd be the first one to testify. And then the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for even though the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And before that, it says in Romans 5, 8, for for even while we were yet sinners, God commended, he loved us and sent his son to die for us. You know what God's plan was? To give his son so you and I might live. Jesus, as he was praying, looking at the cross, said, Father, the hour has come. It's time for me to give my life. You know, I look at that, and as Richard was leading us in that song, that great song that was written by a former slaver who was saved from the slaves, transporting slaves from America to England, compose that song and then later on My Chains Are Gone was written. It reminds us that every day the mercies of God are so rich in our life. We get up every day breathing grace because God gave it to us. Now I want you to see the second thing that he says. He said as you, uh, verse, if you look at verse number 3, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. If you write, take notes, the first word is give. Secondly, he prayed that we might know him. Now the word that is used in the Greek and is the word gnosko. You say, thank you, Danny. That blesses us so much, you letting us know that you know Greek. <laughs> well, here's the reason that's important. Because the word that Jesus used was not talking about having a physical knowledge of someone like I know Bobby Howington, I know Josh Davis. It's not about knowing someone, but it's about having a relationship with someone that is personal and identifying with them. It's Jesus came, so that I might not know about God, there's a God up in heaven, but that I might have a relationship with him. In the wonderful book of Romans, Romans chapter 8, it says that when we come to him, we call him Abba, Father. If you go right now into Lebanon, or you go into Syria, or you go into one of the refugee camps of the Kurdish people, you will hear children walking around saying, Abba, Abba, Abba. It's still the word that is used for Father. He said, I've come that you might know me as Father. And he did that to experience the things we experience. In fact, Hebrews chapter 4 tells us, For we have a great high priest who is tempted in all ways as we were yet without sin, and his name is Jesus. I don't have the exact title, but my understanding is he was from the Atlanta area. And if you want the details of the story, I'll be glad to get it later on. In 1969, a uh, Marine came home wounded from Vietnam. And he was very bitter with God because he was a double amputee. He'd lost both of his legs in combat in Vietnam. And his wife had been praying for him that God would take away his bitterness and the next year he came to Christ. And they were watching television one night about 1970 and there were a picture of two Vietnamese children who had been lifted out and they had also had lost their legs. Double amputees. He said to his wife, God has called us to adopt those children. And the news media picked up on the story and it, it circulated and people raised money. Long story short, they flew to Saigon. And this double amputee and his wife adopted these two children. The reporters say that when he met the children, he looked at them with his metal legs and tapped them. And said, See, I understand, and you belong to me. Nobody understands what each of us are going through today, do they? All of us have things in our life we face, but there is a God who understands. Now, if you see, in, in just a few more minutes, you see there, he, he, we've used the, talked about the mission of giving, the word, the word knowing. If you look on down in verse number four, he says, I have glorified you. And when Jesus uses this word glorified, uh, he uses it in a way it's, it, 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 to say that I've glorified you now, but it has a continuous action that will go on in the future. I will continue to glorify you. On earth, and I have, and I love this word, finish. I have finished the work which you gave me, which you have given me to do. You see, one of the things that Jesus prayed, and and, and remember, he had not been crucified. He had not been on the way of the cross. He had not been yet resurrected from the tomb. But he spoke, as if it had already been done. In fact, some of you who are already Bible students know that's what we call an aorist tense verb. He spoke in a way to say it's already completed. It's a done deal. I've already done everything you called me to do. It's finished. He completed what God called him to do. You know, as I, I think about this week, and it, it has been such a blessing to be a part of it, uh, Wednesday afternoon, and Daniel and I had the privilege of being at the road, and, and uh, Tim and Donis and uh, Susan and Haley, some of the others came out, and we met seven uh, people who pre-registered for VBS. They didn't come. But you know what? That's the way it is. People have that initial contact of the love of Jesus Christ, and in some in their life, they they have a need and they respond to what God has done in their life. And boy, there was just—I told Daniels, man, isn't it just great to have that privilege to serve? And some of our people who served, they've had that privilege of saying, "Lord, I'm going to complete what you called me to do." And some of you who have not physically been able to be here, you've prayed and you completed what God called you to do. But one of the questions on my life and on yours is this. Have we completed, have we finished what God has called us to do? And not what he's called somebody else to do, because what he's called me to do and what he's called Brother Richard what he's called other people to do, but Leon are different. But what is it the Lord wants in your life? What is it? And is it completed? Henry Blackaby, in that wonderful study experience, God says the best thing to do if we want to get on track with where the Lord wants us to be is to go back to the last thing God told us to do and do it, Dr. Paul Powell, who for many years was our first president of what we call the Annuity Board. He pastored the Green Acres Baptist Church down in Tyler, Texas, and they intentionally uh, ministered to the area below the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico, which is a area where The religion is a mixture of Catholicism and and, and, uh, animistic worship, uh, voodoo, a combination. And there's a very uh, opposition to Christianity, Evangelical Christianity. Dr. Powell tells the story of them reaching children through Vacation Bible School and uh, he brought a devotion from Luke 9 23. If anyone decides to come after Jesus, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And Dr. Powell said as he gave the invitation, a little eight-year-old uh, young uh, Mexican, Central American young man came and said, I want to take up my cross and follow Jesus. He wasn't there for three more nights. He finally came back on the fourth night of the children's rally. And Dr. Powell said he hit him on the back or patted him on the back and he winced. And he pulled up, they, they not, but looked to see what was wrong, if something was wrong. And there were welts across his back where he had been beaten for coming to the children's rally. Through the translator, not without prompt, the little boy said, I told you I'd take up my cross and follow Jesus. Folks, we live in a day where if it's a little inconvenient, we say, Well, Jesus, you didn't call us to do that. <laughs> but Jesus is saying, I completed the work. So. That you might complete what I called you to do now I want to say this to you that's not a guilt trip to go out and willy-nilly do all sorts of things but it is a call to say God what do you want me to do now I want you to follow me with this last verse look at the last thing we've talked about he came to give we've talked about that he came that we might Know him, and we've talked about that he gave the example of being the finished work. Look at verse 5. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself and with the glory which I had with you before the world was. It is interesting that Jesus prayed glorify. What was he talking about? He was talking about what would happen Whenever at 3 o'clock on Friday afternoon at Golgotha, at a place where now there's a bus station below it, on a hill called the Skull, he would be placed and crucified. His body would be taken down. He would be placed over into an old granite yard that had been converted into a grave site. And he would be put in one of those granite yards as a gift of a man named Joseph of Arimathea, and it would be there on Sunday morning. They would come back, and he would not be there, and it would be for the next 40 days, 500 people would see him resurrected, and then uh, after he gives the commission on Acts 1-8, he would go back to the Father. A lot of people say, we don't know where Jesus is now. Sure we do. Sure we do. What does it tell us in Ephesians chapter one? For he is seated at the seated. <laughs> that's a South Carolina in me coming out. <laughs> he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he tells us in Hebrews chapter seven, for he ever liveth to make intercession for us. So he, here's here's my picture. According to Revelation chapter 5, there's coming a day when, after the rapture, after all things have occurred, and the beginning of the millennial reign, and there will be a worship service in heaven, and people will be gathered from all the earth, from every land tribe and language and people in that group will cry out and say is there no one worthy to open the scroll and then the apostle john tells us what does he tell us there appeared one as though a lamb who had been slaughtered and it doesn't directly say that in revelation chapter five but the idea is that he moves from the right hand to the center And everyone says, worthy is the Lamb. I think Jesus prayed this so we would know that as he faced the cross, it was not the end. It was not just a picture of agony and suffering. There's a call to us. know all aspects of his life remember what Paul prayed in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 that I may know the fellowship of suffering and the power of resurrection but he wanted us to know that suffering is not the end there's coming a day when it's over and he wanted us to know that Gloriously. He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This past month, and and I've said this to friends anecdotally, we're we're seeing, uh, just seeing people come to Christ in post-pandemic, and it's so gratifying to see God be glorified. And, and even this week, you know, we, we had wished for more children. We, Daniel and I, were going over numbers. We had about about 15 and 5, a total of about 20. And we tried to count up workers, guys. I think we had about 14, 15. And we touched a lot of other lives. You know, yesterday afternoon, when uh, the nursery workers were going outside to... to Go to the baseball field, there was a dad with eight children uh, playing baseball, or father. And we talked about what a wonderful ministry here. God is, you know, talking about knocking on doors, Bobby, he's bringing people to this green space. And, And just thinking about ways to reach these people, there's this opportunity. He wants us to know that we don't live without hope but there's hope in Christ. Uh, I, I love the new worship music. I love the old worship music. I love the classical. And there's a hymn we sing. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he's living no matter what men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. He talks with me. He carries me along the way. That's what he wants us to know. You don't live here without hope. You have hope in Jesus Christ. And when you say, God, use me, he'll use you till you get tired. <laughs> and beyond. When Jesus went to the cross, he prayed that you might understand that he gave you life, you might know him, that you might complete the task and that you might recognize that He has been glorified. Amen. Let's stand together as we close. And I want us just to pray for just a moment and As we pray, I'm going to invite you, just for a moment, to to just take time to think about this message, and I pray it's not just been a presentation, but that it speaks. several invitations to all of us this morning. Number one, if you're here or not, a follower of Christ, and there are things in your life that still need to be completed, that God is calling in your life, and you say, I need to, you know, so pastor, I'm too old, time has gone past. If you're breathing, not too late. It may be too late for a dream at 40, but God still has purposes for us at 80. What has He called you to do? Maybe you're coming this morning with something that's weighing on your life and heart. It's a relationship that's uh, astray. Something's going on in your life and and it's just been weighing you down. And you're saying, Lord, it's time for me to turn this over to you. You uh, take that time to do it. Father, I thank you for uh, meeting us here this morning. We thank you for this week. And we thank you for John chapter 17 where we see the picture of who Jesus is as the King of kings and Lord of lords and the one who loved us Father we may leave here with questions about our life we may leave here with things that just don't automatically go away but Father thank you that we'll not leave here without being cared for by you and now as we have a time of invitation Holy Spirit, have freedom in this place. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a a great chorus, worship. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. I'll be here if you want to share a decision or if you want to pray or something that God's been speaking your heart about, you come. Maybe you don't need to talk to me. If you can come down here and pray and get back up, (laughs) <laughs> we invite you to come down here and pray on the altar. Uh, if you just need to come and stand and pray, whatever God's saying to your life, maybe it's time to nail down that decision and say, I, I know about Jesus, but I don't know Jesus. And I want to know Him. You come. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, Brother Richard.
1: so are you weary and troubled no light in the darkness you upon Jesus. Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace.
0: Richard and Susan, I, I know I'm changing up worship a little bit. Can I pray at the end, and then can we sing He Lives? And, and let's just do that first, the first and last verse of He Lives. And uh, folks, we'll see you at 6 tonight. We're going to have a great time in here. Uh, and so come in, and we're going to have, you'll see the kids. They'll go through everything, and then uh, we'll go outside, and uh, we eat. Wow, Daniel's not up here. We're gonna eat sometime. Outside at six thirty, Donis. Okay. Um, Daniel would like to know um, he needs volunteers here around five, five fifteen to help get everything set up on the field. So, anybody that can come early this afternoon and help set up on the field would be greatly appreciated. Five, five, five thirty. Okay. I tell you what, I, if, and this is, folks, I've got to get up at 7.30 in the morning and go preach a funeral at 11 o'clock at Batesburg, South Carolina in the morning, um, and then drive back to Athens tomorrow night. Sherry's already down there with her mom. If there's anybody can go to Atlanta take that gator outfit back, <laughs> Tuesday, you'd be helping me. If you don't, don't worry about it. It is close to downtown, but don't feel like you got to. But if somebody feels called to drive to Atlanta Tuesday, let, let me know. Uh, okay. Uh, thank you for being here today. God bless you. We, we, we've had a great week, great time. And, uh, and, and we're just uh, excited for this week. And let's pray, and then we'll sing. He lives, Father, we are, thank you for this week. Thank you that you are a God that we can know personally, who cares about us. And we thank you for all that you've done this week and uh, in the lives of these children. They're they're children and families we could call by name, but we're not. But we thank you for what you are doing. And uh, we thank you for Forest Heights Baptist Church. Uh, We thank you for that pastor that you're preparing right now to come and serve here. And uh, how you're going to use him. And we thank you that you're leading. And be with the pastor search team as they're seeking out that man. And we trust you, Father, with that. And now may your peace, which passes all understanding, go and be with us until we get together again or until we see you face to face. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Brother Richard, lead us now.